Welcome to Musical Time Machine, a podcast exploring the transformative and transcendental properties of the various musical genres, artists, and performances that we have seen and heard in our lives. Hello, this is Mrs. Walker. Over the next few weeks, we will be releasing interviews produced by our very own students. They will be interviewing parents, grandparents, teachers, and coaches asking them questions about the music that influenced them in their youth, concerts they attended, platforms and devices they used to listen to the music that they love, and music they enjoy today. Let's dive into this episode of Musical Time Machine. Hi, uh, you guys. Today I have my chorus teacher, Mrs. Walker, here with us for our podcast interview. Uh, First question, what type of music did you listen to growing up? First of all, Naila, I want to say thank you for inviting me to do this uh, podcast interview. I wasn't expecting to do one as your teacher who assigned the project, so it's really um, fun to actually be on the other side of this. So thank you so much for inviting me. Okay. (laughs) All right. So the music I listened to growing up. Um, This is a it's a big question, so I'm just gonna dive in and hope I stay right on topic. Um, So while I did not grow up in a trained musical family, I did grow up surrounded by music. Um, What a lot of people don't know about me is I did not speak until I was three, but I did start singing well before that time. I had a toy piano I would play around on. Uh, Music was kind of my, well, it was. It was my first language, and it's still my primary language of communication. Growing Mm -hmm. up, Yes, uh, growing up, I was introduced to big band music of the 40s, uh, rock and roll of the 50s. My dad is a huge Elvis fan. Um, He also introduced me to old country music with artists like Johnny Cash, uh, listen a lot of Dolly Parton, uh, music of the 60s and 70s, and that's my mother's influence. That's the music she listened to as a teenager. Um, New country music, which is also my mom and my dad, Um, jazz, uh, music of the late 80s and 90s, because I grew up in that era, was a 80s baby, Uh, you name it, I listened to it. Um, My mom recognized my love for music early in life, uh, because I was singing before I was three, Uh, so she enrolled me in a Yamaha program, it was a music program, uh, at the age of four, and that's where I learned how to read music, I attained better music uh, ear training, I learned many folk tunes from around the world. Uh, Then I began piano lessons. And this is important because this is when I fell in love with classical music and classical musicians because I was spending so much time studying the music. Um, So I began listening to artists, these artists leisurely by the eighth grade. And it was around that time that I discovered my love for choral music, so chorus music. Um, so around the third and fourth grade, I had a, I have a vivid memory of convincing my sister to sing the melody of you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. And then I would, I would force her to sing it as I would sing the upper harmony. She has a beautiful voice, but I'm sure I still force her to do it. Um, but I've always had to have a very soft Spartan spot, uh, in my heart, uh, for harmony. Uh, And so in the eighth grade, I was invited by my chorus teacher to uh, be an honors chorus. And in that particular time, I, I just, I fell completely in love with harmony and what you can do with harmony. And I still remember those moments uh, 
to singing and feeling overwhelmed with emotion as we were creating this beautiful music. As a teen, um, I loved alternative rock uh, for the first time. Uh, and I really loved female artists, probably because I could sing along really easily. Atlantis Morissette was um, a huge woman uh, artist uh, in alternative rock in the mid 90s. I love R&B. I still love R&B. Um, my first CD was Mariah Carey's Fantasy. Uh, I played it over and over and over. I had a Whitney Houston cassette tape that I also played obsessively. And of course it had the infamous, and that, you know, song. Um, and then I also discovered some rap artists uh, because of R&B, because a lot of times, especially in the 90s, R&B would feature a rap artist like Diddy, the Notorious B.I.G., Coolio. Um, I did listen to pop. But interestingly, pop was not huge during when I was a teenager. It was very um, all about counterculture and alternative rock. So I listened to it. I listened to Britney and I, and I listened to some Backstreet Boys, but the alternative artists were really in. And so that's more of what I listened to. And of course, I also loved Outkast, Shake It Like a Polaroid Picture. So um, that's like a really tiny nugget to answer your question, but do you see how much I, <laughs> I still had to share? And that's me cutting myself off short. So, um, made for music. It sounds like from like small. Wow. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I, I love music. So that's why it's my career. <laughs> what concerts did you attend and what was your favorite concert? So I have attended a lot of concerts. Um, I'm a musician, so a part of even attaining my degree uh, was to attend so many different concerts. So um, I've attended pop and rock concerts. Some of those were like Sugar Ray. I went to a Hanson concert. Um, I went to a Leanne Rimes concert way back in the day. Um, I have attended uh, many Broadway shows, which has been such a treasure. Um, so many classical concerts, I cannot even begin to count them. Uh, and I have performed in a lot of shows as well uh, that I, I mean, since I was age four, I have performed probably several concerts a year. Um, one of my favorite performances in a large ensemble setting that I got to perform in uh, was uh, Mozart's Requiem in college. Um, it has a Kyrie, uh, which is a double fugue, and I'm a huge Bach lover, uh, which is a Baroque period uh, composer, and so I geeked out over this nugget. Um, my piano teacher from college, David Watkins, played a beautiful performance of Pictures of an Exposition by Mazorsky, uh, and it was it was a particularly beautiful performance and I truly wept the entire performance. Uh, I remember the first time I got to hear Beethoven's Ninth Symphony live uh, by the ASO Chorus and Symphony. I had the worst seats in the house and I stood the entire time because of how overwhelmed I felt during that performance, um, meaning just crying. Lots of crying when I'm overwhelmed by beautiful music. Um, I used to practice conducting to um, Handel's Messiah growing up. So the very first time I conducted the Hallelujah Chorus with an orchestra and chorus, 
I, I still remember the feeling of connection and, and emotion, um, and it still dwells within me today, just thinking about that moment. Some of my favorite Broadway shows I got to see live, uh, Hamilton, I got to see, I didn't see the original cast, but I got to see it in New York, which was incredible. I got to see Dear Evan Hansen with the original cast, including Ben Platt, and that was incredible. Um, I was also a dancer for about 10 years, so there was a lot of performances there that um, the music of those performances have also influenced me. Uh, the Nutcracker, Swan Lake, um, Copeland, uh, and even hip-hop, because I did do a couple of years of jazz. Wow. So those are just a few. Uh, did you have any funny, like, moment or series when you went to your concerts, or? I've had many, many funny moments. Um, what, two I mentioned in a podcast with Mr. Gale back. Uh, so if you want more details, you can listen. But there's one where my knee went out because I was jumping up and down at a Hanson concert, and I fell down and hurt myself. There was one where a mob broke out um, at a Sugar Ray concert and I had to call my mom to pick me up because I was 17 and I was terrified. I was not a wild child, that scared me. Um, there was one where there was a concert where um, someone put a Kermit the Frog, we were performing and someone put a Kermit the Frog uh, stuffed animal at an organ and to make it made it look like he was playing and the conductor couldn't see it because it was in the pit, but we as the performers could see it. And so as we walked out on stage, we had to keep a straight face and not laugh because I think if she could shoot lasers out of her eyes at that moment and we <laughs> disintegrate into the air, we, we, that would have happened if we had laughed um, during this very serious performance. Uh, and I still don't know who did it. We, 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 it was a very funny, very immature, uh, but funny memory. Uh, but yeah, and, and then one of the funniest stories I've heard about concerts, I didn't experience, but a professor told us a story about his, his favorite performance was a, uh, a girl who, poor thing, apparently was so nervous at her very first student recital that she walked out, she took a bow by the piano, proceeded to, to vomit into the piano, <laughs> took another bow, <laughs> she, yes, and then she took another bow and then walked off. <laughs> It's such a ridiculous story, but I still remember, I still remember that story, and, and, I, and I'm not sure, I wonder if it's true, he would tell it before our performances to, I think, help us laugh and to breathe through our performance, and, and to this day, I think of that performance story when I feel a little bit nervous um, when, when walking on stage, so thanks, Dr. Walters. <laughs> Oh, that's, wow. That's a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> did you have a certain device you would use to like connect to your favorite music or did you just listen to it on a regular radio? Okay, so um, I am an, would, I guess you would consider an older millennial, um, but I, I, so I lived in a lot of different eras. I've lived pre-internet and also during the internet as a teenager. So I'm one of those weird hybrids, you, I guess you could call me. So this means I've been introduced to probably every device you can dream of. My dad even owns a Thomas Edison, uh, if that gives you an, an, any indication of how many devices I have uh, been exposed to. But 
uh, growing up, I did have a tiny little record player um, and it was considered very retro for the time. And they had tiny little records. They had uh, Alvin and the Chickmunks. I remember <laughs> one of them, um, <laughs> which was fun. Uh, my dad had a uh, eight track player and one of his 60s uh, Mustangs. Uh, so that's when I was introduced to the eight track player. Um, I don't have a lot of exposure to that, but just a little bit. Um, mostly growing up though, I listened to cassette tapes um, and I had a lot of cassette tapes. I even recorded on my cassette tapes. I used to, I had a boom box and I would record songs that maybe my parents were not gonna buy the album up because it had a parental warning sticker on. So I would record it off the radio. Uh, and then sometimes I record myself singing on top of those tapes or I pretended to be a radio DJ and I had my own radio station. Let's just say I have some very embarrassing tapes out there in the universe and I'm sure one day they will haunt me. Um, I still do that. Right, Record myself on top of the song, yeah. Yeah, it's fun. I, I, I think it was, a, it was a good thing for me. Um, and then I remember my first CD player and I remember my first CDs. It was, so, I felt, like I was a teenager when I got my first CDs. Uh, my first CDs, I think I mentioned this before, Mariah Carey's Fantasy and then also Boyz II Men. I loved Boyz II Men and I had that CD and I played it all the time. Um, and I had my portable CD player that I would listen to on trips. And then my very first car, I had a six CD disc changer. I mean, oh, wow. such a big deal, right? Right. Um, and I would burn my own CD mixes. Um, so I would have like different mixes for different moods or like different artists together. Uh, and I loved burning CDs. I felt like I had control. It's like creating a playlist. You know how you create your playlist now, like on Spotify or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the way we did it back in the 90s, early 2000s. That's what we did. It's we more complicated. CDs. Yeah, it's like hard like hard a copy playlist. <laughs> That's really what it was. Um, but I did have a sh I did have an iPod for a while. I remember I got an iPod in college. I got a mini. Um, and I never did the MP3 player. They honestly MP3 players even at the time were kind of meh. They weren't that good quality, and they were kind of bleh. Um, iPods really changed everything. Um, and so I did have an iPod and then, and then pretty quickly I started just using my phone. And once the phone memories became, it was able to attain more memory on your phone. That's the one reason why we didn't have music on our phones because the memory on your phone just stunk back then. You barely had any memory storage. And so now we've got so much storage on our phones and it's all cloud-based now too. So, um, and now I'm a huge fan of Spotify and um, yeah, Amazon Music, so that's what I use now. Uh, did your parents make you wait to listen to any certain types of music, artists, or? So, um, as far as like with devices, um, I mean, I was definitely a young teen, probably sixth grade, before they bought a CD player for me. Um, they never, it was never intentional to have me wait. Um, I think it was just always like, it was a Christmas gift or it was a, a birthday gift. Um, 
And as far as artists, I mean, the biggest, my, my mom and my dad were not super strict on what I was listening to. However, if there was a parental sticker on it, they wanted to know why. And I think that was fair. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, but see back then you could buy singles. So you could buy, it was weird. It was a CD with one song on it, which seems like a waste of money, but it was only like $3, $4. So sometimes I would buy the single of the song, like if the album had parental issues, but like the single was okay, I, they would let me do that. Um, so not, not too much, but um, they weren't running out and buying me the latest thing just because I wanted it, right? So right. it would make me at least wait to a, a special occasion. Uh, what did you get out of music? Uh, so, like, what do I get out of it now or in general? Like, in general. It doesn't have to be now. Okay. Um, you know, I, so I, I've been thinking about this question. Um, so, music has been a source of healing throughout my life. Um, you know, life presents a lot of obstacles, troubles, um, pain, confusion, um, and music has been a way to soothe my pain, um, explains why I feel the way I feel, right. uh, allows me to emote through my feelings. Um, it questions my beliefs and helps me walk more empathetically. Um, it allows me to experience indescribable joy and, and love. Um, I feel like it transcends language and, and culture. Um, it teaches me more about cultural perspectives. It allows me to visit nostalgia. Uh, for me, it's also built generational connections with people I may not normally have a connection with, but through music, we have commonality. Um, it's calmed my anxiety because I have certainly dealt with anxiety throughout my whole life and, and it brings forth mindfulness. Um, it connects me spiritually in moments of prayer and worship. Um, and it's, it's truly a time machine, like Mr. Gale mentioned in our interview a while back, um, that connects me to eras and time periods that I haven't even lived through. Um, I, can, I can see what it, I can kind of feel what it would be like to be in the Middle Ages by listening to music from the Middle Ages. I think that's incredible. Um, Music was my first language, and it continues to be the language I speak. My communication skills can fall short time and time again, but my musical, my musical language constantly fills in the gaps. When words, when words cannot fill in the gaps, music does. Um, no matter where my life leads me, music Music has always been along aside me the entire way as a dear old friend that never grows tired of lifting and healing my spirits at the time I need it the most. Um, I consider music, not to say I don't have best friends, but to be one of the dearest friends that I, I, can, I have spent my whole life thanking music for um, giving me joy and, and helping me through some of the darkest times in my life. Wow. Um, well, thank you for that, Mrs. Walker. Sure. Music 
you've been connected to music all of your life, seems like. I have. Language? That's that's incredible. You don't you don't hear that regularly from like an ordinary person. You're you're special when it comes to music, which is really cool. Oh, thank you, Nayla. That means a lot. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, that is all we have, all the questions we have. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to come in with me and Zoom and record this session. And I hope you have a fabulous day. Well, thank you. And thanks for inviting me. And I hope you have a fabulous day too. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Musical Time Machine. All of the music you hear today is composed by my husband, James Walker. You can find more of his music on SoundCloud through the username Score Runner Productions. Have a wonderful week. See you next time.